Hey everybody, welcome to Crossroads Saturday night. My name's Justin. I want to let you know that tonight's service is going to be a little bit different. It's our Ask It service. So if you've got questions, we still have time to take those in. You can send them to the uh, telephone number that's up on the screen there. Just send a quick text over and uh, Bill and Dion will be sure to get to those during the service either tonight or tomorrow or both. All right, Father, just a uh, First thing, Lord, is just thank you so much for the volunteers that, uh, that just help this church keep going, Lord, and just get us out into the community. Uh, we could not do it without them, Lord. And we just thank you for those hearts. Um, we thank you for the Ask It message, Lord. Um, we know that you've uh, put some questions on the hearts of our church members and, and, and everybody tonight, Lord. So we just uh, know that those are going to be coming in. And we know that they'll be uh, answered uh, through Bill and Dion, Lord. And we just thank you for that. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, we get to do this again? We get to do this. My, we get to have so much fun. Thank you, Justin, very much. Are you gonna, I want to invite questions also. That you've heard it several times, but if you're here tonight, don't hesitate to, to fire some in, and uh, we'll, we'll have fun answering them. Dion is the screener, <laughs> uh, the bouncer, uh, and the interpreter of your... Wow. Wonder Woman. Am I on, Mr. Jim? I mean, I, I am, but, you know, it's, it's okay if you want to mute me. I'm sure Perry does on occasion. <laughs> Is that a question? Oh. No, 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 no. Okay, we go. We don't, we don't need. Um, so, yeah, this is so much fun. We, I know a lot of you guys know, and um, for our online family, if, if you're new to Crossroads, this is our opportunity, like Justin mentioned, where every few months we get a chance to just kind of take a break and start answering any questions that you guys may have. And so we did have some, um, some really good questions come in. We love the really hard ones. I mean, Bill loves the really hard ones. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. And um, you can continue, like Justin had said, you can continue to text while um, during service. They will come in, and we will try to get to it tonight. And if we don't get to it tonight, we're also going to be doing this tomorrow morning. So you'll want to tune in tomorrow morning as well. Um, so just so that you know, the number is 760-301-4840. You might want to keep that in your phone because you can text any kind of question or comments throughout the week as well. We're always monitoring the, our text phone, so that's a lot of fun. Um, okay, are you ready? I think so. All right. We'll find out. Okie dokie here. Um, oh, boy, they're coming in already. Oh, my goodness. Good. <laughs> so happy. Okay, so... Um, Let's see. This is kind of a, this is, this is a good one. Um, this person has texted in. It says, I always wonder how you would have a strong foundation if the person you're trying to convince thinks the Bible is fake. If they don't believe the Bible, then what other support do we have? This is kind of a three-part question. If the Bible was fake, then so would all of the prophecies and Jesus would just be a guy who did some cool stuff. Well, that part would be true. Okay, the, yeah, the use of the Bible and the inspiration. As Christians, we believe that the Bible is inerrant, that it is perfect, that it is spoken by God, and so we can rely on it. If, if it wasn't reliable, if it was a hit and miss deal, if some was right and some was false, then we would have no foundation whatsoever to be able to stand on. So if, if someone doesn't, if you're talking about a critic, and again, I'll, we'll talk about this in critics, but if someone's a critic and they're coming to you and 
saying things like, well, that Bible's just made up. It's a couple of guys. It was hundreds of years after it took place. And, and why would you rely on it? And maybe even quote some of some other sources. Uh, if they're listening, and again, that's a big question when people come at you. If they're listening, if they're entering into a discussion, are they just trying to slam you, insult you? And, and that's a different answer. But I want to assume that this is someone who's open to input. And, and I think each person, now I'm, gonna, I'm answering the question, but each person here should be ready to answer that. If you're a follower of Christ, this should be one of the standard things you're ready to respond to. And it, and it can be a variety of answers. I'm going to give a couple of them uh, just in, in a response. Uh, I, would, I would first start with what God uses as proof that he's spoken. I always, and you know this, most of you that know me, I would use prophecy. I would say, if it, would it take a supernatural book or a word from beyond our time, space, continuum, our world? Would it take a voice from there that could tell us the future to convince you? If, if that was available, would you respond to it? And, and I might give them some examples, like given the creation of Israel. I said, you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, since Israel would come back to the land, it happened in my lifetime. It talks about, I'll start talking about prophecies that, take, that are taking place today. Uh, some of my favorite ones, and back, talk about Christ and him coming. I would offer prophecy in considerable proof. Now, I'd go slow. You, you lay the foundation first when it happened. In other words, to be able to talk about Isaiah talking about Jesus carrying the sins of the world and how he was going to be beaten and mistreated and our sins would go on him, uh, the Messiah would be that. That was 700 years before Christ was born. Now, and then I stopped. I said, well, is that an accident or is that supernatural? If they do the coincidence and just continue to give them uh, prophecies and just you don't have to have a lot of them but just some very clear ones that took place Christ's birth his his death his prophecies about his resurrection and his prophecies about Jerusalem being destroyed and the temple being destroyed uh, every stone taken apart so uh, here's this is Isaiah 6 and for some of you uh, by the way you may not be able to pick this up on the feed internet but we have Isaiah 50 excuse me 52 uh, uh, 13 through 15 up that it talked about who he is and everything else. So, yeah, you might want to go to 53. That's okay. Anyway, Isaiah 53 talks about it. I talked last week about uh, Psalms 22, the specific description of crucifixion before it was invented. That there's 53. I just for you. I was on a cruise. I'm just talking. Go for it. Uh, I was on a cruise one time, and I was, you know, we were, we were out, and there were some people sitting across from us, a couple of ladies that were, that were Jewish, and uh, we started talking, and, and I just stopped. It was just in a casual conversation. I said, I just want to thank you for your prophets who spoke for God. And they were taken back. I think they were more cultural Jews than religious Jews. But I just had a chance to thank them. And they said, well, what, you know, they asked, what, what, what was the thing? And I described some of their prophecies. What a powerful testimony that we walked away with honoring them and, and their prophecies. So the question is, what else would I use? I would use prophecy absolutely for sure. And for, once something that everyone here can say, 
Well, quite honestly, the best proof to me and most obvious is that it changed my life. I believed it. I followed it. It changed my life. It changed my marriage. It, uh, through Christ, addictions were broken. When I, when I follow it, my relationships work. I'm able to find peace in my marriage, my family, and everything else. When I chose not to, it didn't work. So I would be able to use personal examples of that. Uh, I could go into the number of manuscripts that are available so we know we've got the real because they'll push back on that. But anyway, basically that's what I'd do as far as the Bible is concerned. I would use the pr God's offered prophecy as proof. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, because I know, and, and too, just to go back to even like last weekend, um, last weekend for the Easter service, you had a lot of links um, of resources that are available because I know I know for myself personally um, early on when it came to these kinds of questions and somebody was asking me yeah. about proof of the Bible and how do you know it's real or even the existence of Jesus and, and things like that was not knowing where to look because I could go to the Bible and say well I believe it so you should believe it that's not always going to be a good answer for somebody um, but how to direct them to the resources so we have those available we can get that for you and just links like gotquestions.org, um, josh.org, which is Josh McDowell, and a lot. We've got free resources here in the church too yeah. to kind of help foster that conversation for you guys. Yeah. And and I want to just emphasize my, one of my there's two favorites is Got Questions. You go to gotquestions.com, and you type in a question, and they're gonna 99% of the time come up with an answer that's very biblical. You can go to Brian Call. These two. Uh, Got questions like I'm in Berean Call, and you can just type in questions, and you're going to get a strong biblical answer coming back. If your kids ask you a question, if your neighbor asks you a question, it's a good place to start. Yeah, that's the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and be patient. It's not easy. It's not always easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Next question, and I'm pulling up the chapter. Uh, Miss Ty, the verse is John. 20 verse 23 I'm pulling it up for the context so Jesus has appeared to his disciples and he tells the disciples and actually this is okay can I I'm going to add to this question can I'll add to the question later. oh sure I, fair um, I'm target. so the question is to explain when Jesus tells his disciples if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them if you withhold forgiveness from any it is withheld the concept Jesus was preparing his disciples to go out and, and to spread his message to everybody. And he comes up, and now one of the things, and Jesus comes in, I'm going to start up at verse probably 20. Uh, evening, he's meeting with them. They're behind locked doors. Fear is all around. Jesus came and stood among them. He, he, came through, he came through with actually a physical body, but he actually went into a locked room. Very interesting. Uh, when, he, when he had said this, uh, he showed them his hands and his feet, uh, showing that he was alive, proof to them, peace be with you. And anyone who said in, and breathed on him, it says, receive the Spirit. The, this is the receiving of the Holy Spirit specifically for his disciples at that time. If you forgive the sins of any, they'll be forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, uh, it will be withheld. Now, this is not, I want to make sure that we understand that Jesus was not telling his disciples or denominations or priests or anyone else 
that they have the ability to forgive sins. Sins can only be forgiven uh, through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So as he sends them out filled with the Holy Spirit, and I really encourage you to, to, to walk through the book of Acts as he sends them out, they don't preach their power. They preach the power of the cross to forgive sins as the only way to remove them. So as he goes out, if, if, you, if, if you grant them, you teach them this, they can be forgiven. He says, uh, if, if you withhold them, if, they, if that's not there, that remember they're presenting Jesus. They're not presenting themselves. If they choose not to accept Jesus, then their sins will not be forgiven. Uh, reference back to John 3.16 where he tells his disciples there, hey, if, if, you, you, if you go out uh, and someone refuses or they, they refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their atonement, then there is no forgiveness of sin. I don't know if that answers it. That's a hard question. Thanks. Uh, block that number. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this, this, this idea, and James, it talks about also, uh, this relationship we have with people who are sinners, we offer forgiveness, but not on our authority. Always on the authority of Christ. Yeah, that is a tough one. Yeah. Block that number. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was typed, so I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure okay. how that one came in. That might have been an email. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. So, all right. This is man. You guys are like blowing up the text phone. Okay. I love it. Okay. Um, the disciples, okay, so the, in, the, in the story of when the uh, disciples are in the boat with Jesus, okay, so the disciples wake, wake Jesus up because the storm was sinking their boat. Yeah. Um, and so Jesus calms the sea and the wind. So then Jesus asks them why they have no faith. So the question is, were they supposed to handle the emergency or did they have the authority to stop the wind and the waves? And do we? I'll give you my, my spin on that. Okay. And everyone here that, that knows Christ has been in a stormy boat. And it looks like it's sinking. And at some point in that struggle that we have inside of us, we will come to our senses and remember that Jesus is in the boat with us. And maybe even... As we, as we approach him and uh, say, Lord, thank you. I know you're God. I know you're in charge. You're sovereign. You're with us. Uh, I trust you in this storm. If you want to calm this storm, thank you. If you want me to you know, survive and move through this, trusting you, growing, then I'll do that. So, But again, I, I think that there's a personal response in there. He, his disciples were struggling to understand who he was. And this was a very, these were fishermen that made their living on that lake. And he was out there and that storm was not an accident. It was just like all the trials and storms in our lives, there are no accidents. It is another opportunity for us to turn to Christ and to, and to uh, have faith, not in Anything other than Jesus who's with us. Now, waking him up and watching that take place, that was also part of God's plan. Because those fishermen who had been on that lake so many times and saw him calm the storms, I believe if it goes on right there in verse 27, it says, 
Uh, and the men were marveling, saying, What sort of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. And by the way, and I just speaking for myself, and I think most of us, there's been storms in our life where they're calm and we go, Wow, God. How about that? Yeah, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah, because I'll be honest with you, living in Ridgecrest, there have been a few times I'm like, Jesus, you did it once. <laughs> <laughs> Could you please make the wind stop? Oh, my goodness. And But is it also, too, um, where, you know, part of how he, has, how he was revealed as the Son of God and authority over everything, that he had the authority over creation itself yes. as yeah. well? Yes. So, okay. And that's, that's not only calming the storms, that's, that's, that's walking on the water, that's commanding the fish, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, okay, our next one, this is an interesting one too, and this one comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, it is the third verse, but again, it, it bears some context. Um, the question is that we read in that verse that the saints shall judge angels. Um, what is that all about and which saints will be judging? So the context of it is actually about lawsuits against believers suing the brethren. And so in verse 1, when it talks about if you have a grievance against another, um, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to, tra to trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? Yeah, this, this, is a, uh, this is an area where the church just falls flat on its face, quite honestly. Uh, in the biblical context in the community that Christ set up, the, the church was separate unto itself. It, it followed God, it followed God's rules, it followed Jesus Christ. Uh, the authority that was granted in those situations was inside the church. And, and even today, uh, I desire the opportunity and seek the opportunity. There have been times in the past when I've had two brothers that were in conflict, in one case was over a, a business deal where they, one had hired the other as a contractor, and they had, they had come in and they were breaking up their friendship. It was just really causing problems. So they, they called myself and another uh, man that they knew trusted Christ, and we got together and said, we're not going out there and sue each other, because that is so bad, suing each other out in a public context, two Christians uh, doing that. Uh, so we were able to sit down and arbitrate that. But so often, if someone has an issue, I say, go to them, and if they will not respond, go to their pastor and say, I will sit under your counsel and your advice so that we can settle this issue between us uh, and, and follow the Bible as the guidelines that are put in front of us. Uh, this is... There's some really atrocious... There's no guilt, please in this, uh, but some of the divorce hearings that take place when everyone's claiming Christ, and it is, it could be World War III going on with slander and everything else. It's just a heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, so this, but the main thrust of this is he's saying, we have the authority to take God's word and apply it in legal cases, apply it in real life cases that take place uh, in and around the culture that we live in. 
without having to go to the magistrates on the outside. Um, now, this is specifically talking about Christians inside of the church. What yes. if it's, you're talking about a Christian and a non-Christian, and the non-Christian is trying to sue the Christian? Well, you could ask them for arbitration. And it, by the way, this is not, I've done this also in, in situations. Ask the other person. Someone will come in and be, this is happening. They go to them and say, who will you trust to arbitrate? Who do you know that has integrity and honesty? He says, I, I personally would prefer a Christian that uses the Bible. But who do you know? that is honorable and righteous and you will listen to him. And then to, in many of those cases, and I mean, it's not many, you know, this has probably happened eight, 10 times in my whole Christian career where they'll be able to do that. They'll, they'll put forward someone who's, who is, is rational and reasonable to be able to weigh out the events. It's not Judge Judy or anything like that on TV or whoever that is that does that now. Uh, certainly not Dear Abby. But someone who you would actually trust. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, cool. And then in the, the remainder of it, and this kind of reminds me of when Jesus said, you know, if somebody asks for your cloak, you give them your tunic also. Yeah. If you, you know, so it's like if, if there's nothing you can do and they're coming after you hard, you just show Christ yep. and do what you got to do. I like your truck. No. <laughs> I love you, but no. Just thought I'd throw that no. out there. You're not going to turn the other fender? I know, right? <laughs> I'll give you our truck if you have um, <laughs> um, Okay, but part of the question, though, was in the, in the verse, it says, do you not know that we are to judge angels? So yes. the question was kind of more to, to that point as well. What does that mean? At, at the point of judgment, of course, now, <laughs> judging angels. Uh, I'm, I'm, making, I'm making an assumption that this, this comes to the end of time in Revelation where uh, everyone's gathered at the great white throne. Uh, the Christians have already been forgiven. They're living. Uh, they've been transformed. They're living with Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven. They'll never, we're not going through that judgment. But there'll be a time then that everything will be judged. The world will be judged. The, uh, Satan will be judged, and, and he'll be let loose. But after that, he's thrown down forever, and eternity into a pit. And the pit is also cr created for the fallen angels. I'm reading Jude right now, the book of Jude. And inside the book of Jude, it talks about, you know, the angels that are hell was created for the fallen angels that are in there. So there will be a judgment. Now, our part in that is participating with Christ uh, and that's as far as I can go with that without, without reading a lot more uh, into it. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, very good. All right, here, here's, um, here's a, these are going to be, I don't know, it could be slightly touchy. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> can you be a Christian and a feminist? Oh, yeah. Me a female? <laughs> Never mind. I'm trying to dodge the question. Uh, I, I would answer following the biblical guidelines that men and women are both made in the image of God, both fully represent his, who he is, uh, 
So in that context, also in at the end of, I believe it's Galatians 3, 328. 3, 3, Galatians 3.28, that in Christ there's neither male, there's no female, there's Jew or Gentile, but we're all one in Christ. So, okay, uh, so that puts it equal. The, the, the ground in front of the cross is equal. So now the question of being a feminist, yes, if women in a public or a context is not their they're not getting uh, equal rights if they're not being treated with respect. They're not being retreat, you know, treated as someone that Christ died for. In any of those contexts, to be able to legally, through the channels that are, that are put forward, to be able to uh, advocate for equal treatment, because it's uh, even our Declaration of Independence talks about for, you know, God gives us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to men, women, everyone. So if that's being violated even under our Constitution, we should take steps uh, to give equal opportunity uh, in that regard. Now, uh, having grown up and lived through the, the militant feminist movement uh, that, that and a feminist movement that, that derives its ability to thrive by tearing down men as the problem of the world. Well, I have a problem with that because <laughs> I'm a guy. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a chauvinist pig uh, in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it boils down to the definition of feminism. And I think, unfortunately, because of that, um, I was just looking up that there's kind of like three basic types um, that have emerged out of the movement back in the, what, 60s, 70s, mainstream, um, liberal, uh, radical, and cultural. And so I think feminism as a word, like so many other words in our society, have taken on such a negative connotation because of the actions of other people that, like you say, they've used it as a reason to try to, you know, remove men out of whatever. It's no longer just the advocacy of, you know, social equality for women, you know, pay and, and the ability to vote and all of that, but it's become a way of um, just being so derogatory. But I remember as a child, you know, because kind of kind of growing up during that era, it to me as a girl, it sounded right, you know, and I think for ladies, if you've had bad experiences with father or husband or something, it's easy to kind of like or fall. Pastor. Or pastor. No. Or pastor. Or pastor. Or pastor. Yeah. Well, yeah hey, or anytime men boss. are overbearing. Or, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be easy to kind of lean on that. So as a, as a little girl growing up, it was easy for me to look at that and go, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to be controlled by any man. And so for the longest time, you look surprised. <laughs> For the longest time, even after Perry and I got married, I actually, and it was actually through you, I had to learn um, how to let my husband open a door for me yeah. and be a gentleman because I did not grow up that way yeah. and didn't know that I was not setting down my uniqueness as a female or giving him, you know, I was not being subordinate to him by, in the bad sense. By yep. allowing him to be the man that God created him to be. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yay. That was fun. We should do more of that. Okay, you ready? <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. 
Okay, when we pray and pray over a matter and God does not seem to answer, should we let it go or continue to petition God until we get an answer? God always answers prayer. He does it his way, so it can be yes, no, or it can be wait. It's his timing. It's his pleasure. It, we come back to the boat issue. Do we trust God? And again, as we, as we put our prayers out, uh, it's, it's, worthy, it's worth noting our heart. Selfish prayers, uh, say this kindly, bounce off heaven. James 4 will say that you, you, you have not because you ask not, but you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend it on your own selfish pleasure. So a, a selfish prayer a prideful prayer, uh, and in some cases a, a vengeful prayer, uh, that's, that's not going to be answered in the way that you want. Uh, but again, it, I, I encourage people to ask God, Lord, search my heart. And I, most of you have heard this before, Psalms 139, search me, O God, know my heart, you know, try me and know my anxious thoughts, any hurtful way, show it to me. But immediately, it's important in that prayer situation to say, Lord, if there's any pride or selfishness in this that you're trying to show me, then review the prayer and see if that's there. And, and there, there does come with this strange thing that Christians talk about. There can be a peace if, as we present a, a request to God that that. It's in his will. In other words, it's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It's something that would honor him that, that we may have to wait and just trust him for that. Uh, some people pray decades for certain things that they know it's God's will. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, but I, quite honestly, in this country right now, United States of America, I love this country. I'm praying diligently as much as, you know, asking God to show me how I can be part of changing a culture that's going over the cliff. He has not written anything in my carpet. He continues to remind me and show me in the Bible where this is a cycle that nations go through and, and he's doing something here, even if it's on to our correction and discipline uh, as it takes place. But I mean, so that's an ongoing prayer that, that is not written in my carpet, is not, but everyone should be. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Wayward kids, ongoing long term prayer, cannot change their heart, their will, but we can ask God to use us to reach out to them. Anyway, so. Okay. Um, and can I add on to that? Or, I yeah. mean, or ask, uh, ask yeah. additional questions? Um, the. Okay, so one I just lost, so apparently God didn't want me to ask that one. <laughs> um, there's a verse, I don't recall if it's in 1 John 5 or 1 Peter 5, where they're talking about praying about something, and he says, I say do not pray for that person. There's actually a time where we're instructed not to pray for something. Right. What, is, right. what is that one about? Let me see if I can pull that up. Yeah, uh Prayer is, a, is good news, bad news. Prayer is something where we actually get, we know, 
we can't, I can't understand this, but I get to stand before God. And truthfully, when in the morning time or a quiet time, I, I don't have to really art, you know, articulate verbally or even sometimes gather thoughts together in specific trains, but just standing in front of him with a situation in my life or a situation at the church or our country or just things that we're aware of, someone that I know is sick or just passed away or any of that. I can just sit there and, and in prayer uh, trust God that he is doing what he is because I guess I could go to that for just a second. God is always moving. He is always doing what is right. If we have a God that isn't, the verse says, the eyes, I, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth. This is continuous searching, looking to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. God is constantly moving to do what is best for us. His spirit is constantly knocking at the door of hearts. The Holy Spirit is constantly giving us wisdom. Uh, he's guiding our steps. He's doing these things. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us, past tense, completed act, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We do not go to God in prayer uh, encouraging him to do something he's not inclined to do. In fact, we can't, when we go to him, we're talking about things, if it's good, he's already doing so it, it's, it, it's a prayer in abundance, I say, instead of scarcity. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know if that answered the question, but I sure had fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, it was cool. Good. It was good. Um, and that actually, the question I had came out of First John 5, verse 16. But in context, um, in verse 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have before him, that whenever we ask anything according to his will, which yep. you mentioned, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in regard to whatever we ask, then we know that we have the requests that we have asked from him. If anyone sees his fellow Christian committing a sin not resulting in death, he should ask God will grant life to the person who commits a sin um, not resulting in death. But there is a sin resulting in death. I do not say that he should ask about that. And that was, and I think it, that's kind of almost more of the question of what is the sin that does, that results in death? That you can't pray for rejecting Christ. It's, but again, if if it again goes back to almost that forgiveness question. When everyone in here knows people who are heading to hell, we all do. People who have rejected Christ by lifestyle, by choice, by everything that's going on in and around them, uh, and and they're rejecting all input. My suggestion is. God's doing everything he can to change their heart. Pray that he changes ours, that we can love them where they're at and perhaps show Christ's love to this person that has chosen a path that's taking him to damnation for all eternity. You can't imagine what hell is going to be like. I can't, but just like I can't imagine heaven. But so this the sin that is unforgivable is the rejection of Jesus Christ, rejection of the Holy Spirit. So uh, if that's what they're doing and they're choosing to be blasphemous in doing it, the, the prayer is for us to be able to show Christ to them. Because uh, we can't forgive them, we can't change their mind, we, can't, we can just love them where they're at. And that's, that's where Christians so often fall down.
when they're in a conflict with someone of opposite morality and opinions and, and even blaspheming God, using his name in vain and everything else, we harden up and push them away instead of just loving them where they're at and just the way Christ would. One other thing, because you said it, it, in that first John it says you ask anything according to his will but it's also with his attitude it's also with his humility and everything else so we come to God I uh, yeah the, the, the yeah okay there, okay I'm sorry uh, in Romans 11 very pivotal at the end it says who has been God's counselor who has been God's counselor? And so what there's there's so a truth there that, that God really doesn't need our advice. And, and he knows our heart, he knows our prayer, he knows what the right thing is. So in prayer, often we get to line up with his heart. He doesn't need a this is some of the most important uh, verses in the Bible. So I want to start down at verse 32. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on everyone. So he says, we're all sinners. We're all rat dogs. I don't care who this other person is. That's us too. Uh, oh, the depth, the riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. We cannot understand for who has known the mind of God who has been his counselor who has given him a gift that God owes us something for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever amen that is so powerful go to Romans 12 1 next chapter okay uh <laughs> We're going we're gonna to go. You just heard this, this, this praise to God. And so unscrutable, unknowable, how perfect he is. So what is our response? I appeal to you, therefore, because everything that's gone before, therefore, God is this and so wonderful. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And here's how we respond to the God that's unsearchable, unknowable, uh, mercy to all by God's mercy present our bodies as a living and holy uh, and, and acceptable sacrifice to God our spiritual service that's what we do and the verse with our last series don't be conformed to this world be transformed by the renewal of our mind and we can discern what the will of God is that which is good acceptable and perfect God's will is good acceptable and perfect and I don't know why I went through all that. I just love that particular transition coming out of this. When, when we're praying, the, we're not giving him new data. <laughs> we're acknowledging that he knows everything in us and his ways. I'm just in the book of Job, and I am so blown away by that. God still being God through all that stuff that happened to Job. Very good. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank here, you. Here's, here's something that might be a little more simple, and it might not. Huh? When Jesus was born, he was, well, yeah, and the wise men came and gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What were they used for? 
That's a question? You didn't make that one up? I did not make it up. They paid for his vacation to Egypt. <laughs> because immediately yeah. after yeah. this, the angel appears to Joseph and says, hey, by the way, Herod's going to kill you. Don't go back to where you're from. Don't go to your home. Don't go to anything. Take this, these Visa credit cards in gold, frankincense, and myrrh and finance your trip to Egypt so you, Mary, and your child will be safe. It's just a little, that's my mm -hmm. personal opinion of that. And don't forget the affirmation to Mary and Joseph that this was from God. You don't have a baby born in a manger and having kings and wise men showing up with gold and frankincense and myrrh, the most valuable commodities of their time. And, show, you know, so anyway, yes. That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, it just is. Huh? Yeah. Okay. New data. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. This one's, let's see, we'll end. Hopefully we'll have time for both of them, but um, here's a tough one. As <laughs> a, another tough one, a different tough one. As a Christian parent, how do you explain to your child what's going on when they encounter a homosexual relationship in the world? Well, but just the, some da just some some boundaries here. There is no specific condemnation in the Bible for the sin of homosexuality. Sin is sin is sin. So the first thing is, depending on the age of the child, is to make sure that the understanding of what sin is, we just read a verse that all are locked up and all need mercy, all sin, all fall short. And so that, that foundation inside of their life uh, is, has to be there as you start this conversation. And so, and it's, it's not inappropriate to, to acknowledge, you know, we all sin, I sin, you know, and, and I'm your dad and I know you sin. Uh, have the conversation with them that, that sin is common to all. And, and it breaks God's heart. Christ died to remove it. So you lay a foundation. And you can say in, 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 at this particular time, one of the sins that is very prevalent in our culture is anger. Just look at the just people, adults yelling at each other, families. Going, it's, anger is very common. Uh, uh, you might even be able to, to talk, depending on how old they are, other common sins. Uh, but and, and this one of the sins that's very prominent right now is, is homosexuality. It is against God's plan, as with the rest of the sins. It's particularly harmful and destructive. Uh, but our our response to it is to present Christ, to live a life and love them. This this Christians yelling across picket lines. At, at the gay LGBTQ community is just wrong. Should we lobby our lobby in a loving way to pass laws that you know protect our kids? Because right now, K3, they'll be introduced this year. 
to homosexuality in kindergarten through third grade in the public school systems and, and encouraged and told clearly in that context that no, they really, you don't know your gender until you choose it for yourself. And they actually encourage kids to go through a, an exercise of what do you feel like today? They're sowing seeds of destruction in a fallen country. Um, and so the first thing is to, as you explained to them, sin, sin breaks God's heart. So, and yeah. acknowledging, yeah. So is there's a part two to that easy one? Mm -mm. Oh, okay, good. No, there's a lot more hard questions, but the good news is <laughs> we've had so many questions coming in on our text. We have time for probably one more tonight, but I am going to, we're going to type these up and hit them tomorrow. So because it's the ask it, you know, it's like, please, you know, if you guys, um, you're invited to come back and join us tomorrow, or yep. if you choose to, you can watch um, on the live stream again at the 1030 service, and you'll hear the rest of the questions and the answers as we go through them tomorrow. So, yeah. so that'll be fun. Can, can I do one thing on questions yeah. before you get into that? Just, just I'll end this with that maybe, but we encourage questions. Uh, one of the things I was telling a friend of mine last week, I didn't have anyone to go talk to. I was almost searching out. I would go to church, but I'd be an isolated guy going to church. I'd read my Bible. I'd read my Bible at home. I didn't have anyone to go talk to until I'd been a Christian like three, four years, and I met a man on the base where I could call when I had questions. So I encourage questions. It's come in, if you, not just during the ask it, you come in and talk to us. You get us on a Sunday, we make an, or make an appointment or something, so we can talk about these things. So, uh, yeah. yeah, okay, one more. Okay, one more. Uh, um, you guys have had some pretty deep questions, so I will, I will give you that. Um, okay, it says, God and Jesus commands that we forgive one another, um, as stated in Matthew 18, it says 21 through 21 and 22, I think it's also 15 through 17, um, about forgiving, and yes, how do you forgive someone for abusing your child? I've sought forgiveness for this person, yet there is still anger toward them. Since I do not feel at peace with the abuser, does this mean I have not forgiven them? The, the depth of, you know, again, and I, the context of your something happening to your child through someone else's choices are, uh, th there's the natural protection, there's the natural wrath, there's the na all of these things that are true. And, and again, be sure that you recognize that there's a God that has perfect wrath against all sin. The, the wrath of God, Romans 1, uh, the wrath of God is revealed against un, all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So God has wrath. And I, we looked the word up. We talked about it a while ago. This is not piddly. Oh, oh, that upsets me. He has wrath against sin to the point of it has to be judged and the sinner has to be destroyed. Only thing that keeps us from that is Jesus Christ. Now, when someone sins against us or someone else, normally sins against us, we'll kind of go, hmm, well, we don't either. That's a lie. Uh, we have to work through it ourselves. 
but when it's someone that deeply wounds and hurts our family, uh, the, the need for forgiveness is absolute. Jesus said it clearly. If we don't forgive others, he cannot forgive us. So not only is this abuser abused your child, you're choosing to let him send you to hell. Now, do we have in the human heart the ability to forgive in the way that God tells us to? The answer is simple. No, we don't. We don't. And as a matter of fact, one of the tests of our relationship with Jesus Christ is the ability to forgive those who abuse us. We can forgive, you know, the little, the, but when someone abuses us and abuses our family, only God's nature can forgive working through us. So if we're struggling with forgiving someone, we don't understand, I've got to be careful here, God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ for my sins and for the sins of the abuser that we are so angry with. So who are we to, with, you know, to destroy our lives from that and, and not forgive the way we've been forgiven? It's the, the verse says, let all anger slap, you know, slander and wrath be put far from you. Be kind, tender-hearted, tender forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. That's the standard we apply, and it is an absolute standard. So if we're struggling with that and we claim the name of Christ, the problem is not with the other person, and there's no condemnation in this. We need to search our heart before God if we under, to understand more about how we're forgiven. How in our anger and you know, attitude toward this other person is very serious in God's eyes. So come talk to a Christian counselor, advisor to walk through the pain. But ultimately it comes to questioning our, not questioning our relationship with Christ, but making sure Christ is living through us. Because if Christ is living through us, we can forgive as Christ forgives. Um, and now, does it feel sometimes like we've forgiven? No. But have we chosen to and not taken? We take those sins and put them on the cross and we look at ours at the same time? Yeah. So. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think in part of that question is that um, one of the things that I've personally experienced and I'm sure a lot of people have is that we think that by forgiving somebody, all of the pain, the anguish, the, the ang all of it's just going to disappear. Yeah. And we're suddenly going to want to like go have pie and coffee with this person. And if we don't, then we have failed yeah. in the forgiveness aspect. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think if we're looking to how we feel about the person to be the defining factor may not be the right thing, but certainly the yeah. Lord can change our feelings towards them. Um, I, and I don't know if this is correct or not, so please tell me if I'm in the wrong, going the wrong direction, but when, when Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for people who persecute us and to bless them and, and to do all this as part of the practice of forgiveness, then maybe following that particular command that Jesus gives us, that the more we practice God's heart toward them in an active sense, 
right. if we can, if it's yeah. possible, because sometimes it's not possible, um, that that will then change our heart towards the person. Yeah. Yes. Again, as you live out the reality of Christ, but again, I want to go back. You got to have you got to have Christ in to live it out. Mm -hmm. And this is this is one of those real gut checks, spirit checks, that that ask where where we are with that. So, yeah. Just again, if you're stumbling in that direction, get help. All of these things that take place, you know, we're not experts. We're just journeyers with Christ learning and going down the road. Uh, if we can help in any way as a, as a church, let us know. Yeah, cool. We actually have uh, five minutes. We've got time for one more. We'll make it an easy one for them. Uh, see if there's any here. Oh, yeah. Do you guys have any questions here? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, no. Yes. So let's start with the easy part. To be absent from the body is to be, for a Christian, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. The judgment that we underwent was the judgment of John 3, 16, 17, and 18. The judgment for us, when we leave this, when we die here, our eyes close here, they open, and we see Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But in John 3, 16, it talks that Jesus is sent by his Father uh, so that anyone you know, will have eternal life if we believe in him. So eternal life starts at the moment we become a Christian because Jesus is eternal life. He didn't send his Son in the world to condemn it, but it might be saved through him. Here it is. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because they did not believe in the name of the only Son of God. This is the judgment. This is the judgment we face. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, came into this world. If we choose to, to honor and to follow him, then we will not stand in judgment. If we choose to not come to Christ, because it says if our deeds are evil, we won't come to Christ. And then when we die this earth, we will go into, if you will, a, a, a moment until we stand in the great judgment seat of God when those who didn't know Christ, they're all brought forward. And by the way, Christians are on the other side of the bench. We're on the judge side, not the defendant side in that. As the dead, as the, the oceans give up, the earth gives up all the dead. And he says, I will judge them according to their works. Christians are never judged according to their works. Christians are judged according to Christ's work on the cross to take our sins away. I don't know if that... Okay. Sweet. Okay, so the question I was going to... That was on here yeah. actually ties in with his question. Um, so you said our, our Christians um, get to go to heaven, so even though our heavenly bodies are without pain and disease, do we? will we have visible scars from our former life, just like Jesus did after his resurrection? That's a good question. I think it's a good question. I think everyone will be bald, six <laughs> foot four, and uh, just, I'm just saying, uh, we will be recognizable. We will, we will know others in a way that we've never known them here. I, I look forward to meeting each and every one of you in heaven 
and not seeing this as much as seeing our hearts. Because that's what we see. We see truth. We see someone who loved Christ. We see just that, that, that heart that's on the inside, not all the facade, all the junk. We, we, we will not have cell phones taking selfies. <laughs> we'll be open-hearted. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's so way cool yeah. Yeah, in heaven. And we will all know what Caitlin's really been thinking all these years. You know, that's... So much will be explained. <laughs> again, this, we're going to find, it says the least of these... I think we're going to find in heaven the most honored people were the least honored down here. The people that were that that perhaps never contributed to a culture, never did anything. But on the inside, there was a sweet, gentle spirit. I'm been praying for and know a guy that's going through all sorts of stuff, but he loves God, and he's just going through it. And uh, young man, but. Uh, can't wait to see him in heaven. His name is Nicholas. You might pray for him if you get a chance. Yeah. Can't, can't wait. That's cool. Well, guys, that's our time. <laughs> um, like I said, please, please, please join us again tomorrow or you can live stream. We're going to um, go through some more questions because we have several that we did not get to, and they are incredibly good questions. So I'm excited for tomorrow. Um, and Don't show me because I can't sleep if I, you do I that know, to right? me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but so just to finish us up tonight, um, again, thanks for joining us. Thank you to our online family. We also just want to remind you guys um, that our study guides that we, because we're starting, we, we bridged the two-part series with Ask It Message, but we start... Um, returning to the study of the book of Romans next Sunday. Yep. Our study guide is available. There's some at the back, so please don't forget to pick one up if you didn't have a chance to do that yet. It's also available on our website and on our church app. And I think that's all we've got for now. We should pray. You should. We should pray. Do you want to pray? You, you want pray. To pray. I'll pray. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that you are a God who welcomes our questions, that you... You want to hear from your people. You want us to explore and learn and search and study and do all that we can to really know who you are. And you will not withhold any information from us, Lord. So thank you that you will do that. Um, we thank you for Nicholas and that you are working in his life and the testimony that he is and so many others, Lord, like him and those who are, who are just struggling in pain and all kinds of things that are going on. Um, thank you that we can get comfort from you. I pray that, um, yeah, if there's anyone here tonight who just needs a little extra touch, thank you that you're there. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All Thanks, right. guys. Thank you.